The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Well, good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night, the 18th day of July, 2021. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is with us across the way. We've got another all-Met show coming your way tonight. Up first, we'll talk to 1969 Miracle Met third baseman, also a member of the 1973, you got to believe, Mets. Wayne Garrett will join us. In the second half, we'll welcome in former Mets catcher, the bad dude himself, John Stearns, will step in with us. As a matter of fact, both of these guys played third base at one time or another for the New York Mets. We'll talk about that with Stearns later on. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, enjoy Sports Talk New York tonight on GBB. Some great sports memories up ahead tonight. As always, before we begin, I invite you to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook. We have our own Facebook page titled WGBB Sports Talk New York. So much information there. Stop by and check it out. Also, we are on LinkedIn. We are on Twitter at WGBB Sports Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at B Donahue WGBB. And if you miss a show, don't worry because they're all archived out on the website. You can listen to them whenever you want. Well, our first guest, he was a member of both the 1969 World Champion Mets as well as a member of the 1973 National League Champion Mets. Always a fan favorite at Shea. We welcome into Sports Talk New York tonight, Wayne Garrett. Wayne, good evening. Hey, Bill. Great to have you with us, Wayne. Pleasure to be with you. Now, you you grew up in, in the uh, Central Florida area, Brooksville, uh, to be exact. Who, who were your boyhood heroes and teams when you were a kid? Well, I actually, I was born in Brooksville. We moved to Sarasota when, when I was two years old, and okay. I still reside here. But back in those days, uh, well, we didn't have much TV, uh, you know, until, you know, the, the 50s. And, right, yeah. But, you know, and, and we only had the game of the week. We only had the game of the week for a long time. Even, mm-hmm. when, even when I was in the big leagues, they still had just the game of the week. And, but, uh, yeah, the, probably my, my favorite was Willie Mays. Yeah. And, and Mickey Mantle. Everybody's right, Wayne. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were, they were great ball players. Uh, I can relate to the game my, of the week. The game of the week when I was a kid was the only thing on to you get you guys on the TV during the week and then Saturday afternoon you'd flip on uh Kurt Gowdy, uh Tony Kubek for the game of the week on on NBC and that's when you got to see guys like Harmon Killebrew and Big Frank Howard and uh other heroes come across the screen but it was not like the cable days today at all Wayne, right? No, 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 and and you know it was even hard to watch baseball growing up because because I was I was playing sports too mm-hmm. uh, during during the summertime and and especially on Saturdays it seemed like we always had games 
you know, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just hard to see games, uh, even on TV. Now, you started out in the Milwaukee Braves organization, like your brothers, and you were chosen by the Mets in the Rule 5 draft. Now, folks may not know what the Rule 5 draft is. Do you know what it is, Wayne? Well, it's it's players who are signed, players who are who are playing uh, basically in the minor leagues because mm-hmm. they're they're unprotected players within the organization, and in the organization you can protect so many big league ball players. You can and. Well, you have the 40-man roster. You can protect 40 guys. Each organization can. Right. And then you can you can give out, I don't know how many AAA contracts that you give out. I don't know if it's 25. You can give out 25 AA contracts. And then I guess the rest is in single-A. Right. Everybody has yeah. single-A. And... The Rule 5 is any unprotected player, any organization can draft you in a winner draft in this Rule 5. They can draft you by giving you just one contract higher that you have with the organization that you're with. Uh-huh. So if you have a double-A contract, uh, you know, somebody can purchase you and give you a triple A contract. Yeah, that's what it is, and folks. I, yep. And and I and I think I I, I you know I don't know for sure, but I know that when you're given that that extra contract, I mean you know you know like going from double A triple A. I had a triple A contract, so the Mets had to give me a big league contract, and I had to stay in the big leagues with the Mets for the entire year. And if they decided they didn't want me, they would send me back to the Braves organization, which I came from, yes. and they would lose half the money they paid for me. Right. Good incentive to keep a guy, Wayne. That's that's certainly true. Wayne Garrett with yeah. us tonight on the program. Now, your major you made your major league debut as a second baseman, and uh, you played most most of uh, your first couple of months in the majors there. Then you settled in to a lefty-righty platoon with the glider. Ed Charles, how was it working with the glider? Well, it worked great with the glider. I mean, he was, you know, Ed was, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna guess Ed was around 36 years old. Uh, I mean, he was at the end of his career. Matter of fact, it was, the, that was his last year after we won the World Series. That was, they didn't renew his contract. So, but, Ed, uh, Ed started out the season okay, and then, you know, about a month, month and a half into it, he started, you know, you could see he was getting a little tired, and, and his numbers were coming down. So, Gil came up to me and asked me if I'd ever played third base, and I told him I had. And so he said, well, you're playing third base today. There you go. <laughs> and, yeah. and so anyhow, I went out and I, and I had a couple of hits and played good and I played, you know, the next day, got a couple more hits and, and that kind of solidified things. It, mm-hmm. And he just kept it at that. He platooned us the rest of the year. It so, worked, it worked out well. Sure did. Now, now let's jump ahead. The, the NLCS, the NLCS had, uh, 
was, was supposed to feature mainly pitching matchups. But it turned out to be the opposite, and, and all the lefties were in for the Mets because the Braves featured right-handers like Phil Necro. And you guys really took it to the Braves. You guys like you, Shamsky, right? Yes. I, I, I felt that, I don't know. I mean, you know, both lineups were okay, but I think we may have been just a little bit stronger on the left-handed side than mm-hmm. the right-handed. Uh, but, you know, it's, I mean, both of us did good jobs that year. You know, the right-handed hitting, you know, team and the left-handed hitting team, they, you know, we, we did good. I mean, we, you know, we, we kind of along with the went along with the uh, platoon plan that Gill had, you know. I mean, he he kind of put that in place, and and we just, you know, hey, we were winning. So I mean, we no one really complained about not having to play every day, right? And and sometimes you know, rest is is good. <laughs> it's, and but you know, you you always knew when you were when you would go into a town because. You know they they would have it in the newspaper. We would know who their their starting pitchers would be for that whole series, and and you could kind of you know you get prepared for it. I, you know I know that I'm going to play the the first two games, and Ed's going to play the last one, mm-hmm. or he's going to play the first, and I'll play the next two, or and but I don't know. It just seemed like there were a lot more right-handed starting pitchers back in those days than there are today yeah that's um, true it, it did seem that way um, yeah so I, it seemed like i played a lot more games than what it did looking back wayne at the the whole run for the for the pennant in 1969 the world series and getting swept up and all of that like swoboda talks about his catch and uh they ask swoboda how long are you going to live off one catch and he he answers well, how long have i got you know, <laughs> he's he's taking That's it for right. everything he can. I mean, you get, people still come up to you today and and talk to you about '69. Oh, unbelievable! I mean, people just don't forget. But I, you know, I I I don't know if these people are uh, leaving us in this world like everybody else. It seems like, yeah, you know, they're and and I don't know how many of them are out there that still remember the '69 Mets and. And the ones who actually went to the games and and saw us. I mean, I I still run into people. I mean, I still run into people that that were there for the. Matter of fact, I play golf with a guy. He he plays he plays in our group, and uh, he just happened to join us one day. He came out on the driving range. We we're on the driving range hitting balls, and he came up and introduced himself, and and he said he he grew up in uh, in Flushing, and. And he said he was, he went to all the Mets games. I mean, he was just a huge Mets fan. And this guy, I said, well, why don't you play golf with us? I said, who are you playing golf with today? Play with our group. Yeah. And I says, we have room. And he started playing. And I mean, this made his day. Cause Neil Allen, Neil Allen also plays in the group too. Another Met. Ah, so, yes, Neil. So anyhow, and well, there's a couple ball players. That, that play, but I mean, he is just, I mean, to meet a Mets player, I mean, it, that made his, I mean, 
we we have made his life really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I can relate, Wayne. I can relate because yeah. when I was I was ten years old in 1969, and I remember everything vividly. And I remember going to the ballpark, and uh, all the men were dressed like Jack Ruby with uh, oh, yeah. with fedoras and and overcoats and ties with the paper under their arm and uh, smoking cigars. And uh, nobody had a jersey on because they just didn't sell that stuff then. Uh, to, today you go to the no, ballpark, didn't. everybody's got a jersey on. Then nobody had one because they just didn't market the game that way then. But that was a magical time, and, and I, I tell people that are suffering with the Mets now, you, you haven't seen anything till you saw 1969. It'll, it'll never be like that again. No. No, no, that was that was really a special year. I mean, that was the first year that the Mets. I mean, you know, they were always in last place. Yep. And 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 reporters used to ask me during the season. You know, they they'd say, uh, you know, what's going on? Uh, you know, are you guys really that good? And 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 I would tell them, I don't know. I said we're winning games. Yeah. I said you know. <laughs> You know, I came from a different organization. I, you know, I didn't know these guys. I, you know, I, I still didn't know a lot of them when the season started. And, sure. And, and it's like, I mean, because I didn't know if I was going to make the club or not. And so, and in spring training, I mean, you just, I just kind of hung around the guys that I knew that I'd played against in the minor leagues. And that's who I hung around with in spring training. I didn't. I didn't hang around big leaguers. I didn't, you know, those guys were, those guys are too good for me. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, but, it seemed like, Wayne, uh, you were playing third base, uh, the glider retires. They're always trying to bring in somebody else. They, they sent Amos Otis to, to Kansas City. They tried Amos Otis at third base. They send him to Kansas City, bring in Joe Foy. Joe Foy's overweight. He might have problems with uh, personal problems. Joe Foy is gone. Then they bring in Bob Aspermonte, who's probably a little past his prime. And uh, what did you think? They keep bringing in third baseman. Well, they well they bought in Bob because I was in the military. I was doing my acting. Oh, everybody, yeah, right. And, yeah. and Bob, Bob is a real nice guy. You know, I only played against him. I really didn't know Bob, and until I got out of the military and joined the club, and and when I did, he comes up, he shakes my hand, and he says, "Wayne," he said, "Boy, I'm glad you're out. Of, I'm glad you're out of the army and here, you know." <laughs> He says, I'm getting tired. He says, I'm getting tired of third base. <laughs> but and and no, then, was... then, Wayne, uh, they finally find uh, gold. This is the answer to all the Mets' problems through the years. Send Nolan Ryan to the Angels and bring in a third baseman, uh, a shortstop to play third base, Jim Fragosi. And he was supposed to be the be-all and end-all. He breaks his thumb, and he's gone, too. Well, you know, I was, I was, you know, we were in spring training. We were in spring training when that, when that happened, when he broke his thumb. And, yeah. And, and Gil is the one who broke his thumb. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, what he happened at, there? I think, I think it was, I think we were in Bradenton. I think we were playing the Pirates in Bradenton. And, and it's like Gil. Sometimes I don't know. You know, I think he hears stuff, or you know, he may. 
you may be on his wrong, you know, on his, on his, I don't know, on his wrong side. Uh oh. You know, for some reason or another, you know, he, you know, maybe he saw, saw you do something or whatever. I don't know. I mean, or, or somebody off the field, a friend of his, you know, hey, maybe I, I saw Garrett in the, in the bar, you know, I saw him <laughs> drinking, you know, with some friends or whatever in the bar, looked like they had too many or something. Yeah, I, you don't know what. Right. And so, I, but I know Gil, he did it to me one day. He did it to me a couple times. But he would, you know, instead of the coaches hitting you fungos during warm-up, and Gil would, he would get the fungo, and he'd start hitting you ground balls. And he would start hitting you ones, you know, just regular ground balls. And then he'd, they'd start coming harder and harder <laughs> and harder. And, I mean, he's swinging that fungo as hard as he can swing it. And and when he starts doing that, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting in front of balls. You know, I'll play him off to the side or whatever. I'm not going to get why, – why should I get hurt in practice? You know, I'm not, gonna, yeah. I'm not that stupid, you know, <laughs> but, but anyhow, we were in Bradenton and he got a hold of Fergosi and I was in the outfield. I was, I was shagging in the outfield behind him because we were having to pick up a lot of his ground balls that go by him or, <laughs> or line drives and, and, but anyhow, I was in there and we were in the outfield. I was, I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but I said, I said, Jim, you need to get out of there. You know, don't don't try to catch these these ground balls that Gill's hitting. And and here for Gozi, he's you know he's hitting them and and he's getting in front of. I play him off to the side. I mean, it's you know yeah right those fields and those fields in spring training during you know, I mean they they weren't very good fields back in those days. And those balls would take some bad hops and and it's like. I'd play him off to the side. I, you know, I wasn't going to let one up, you know, just take my head off. And so anyhow, but for Gozi, he'd get in front of him. And one of them took a bad hop. One of them took a bad hop, hit him in the hand, broke his thumb. And that was the story, folks, of Jim Fergosi. He, he, yep, gained, he that, gained weight and he, he was out too. And, uh, yeah, he was, uh, and Wayne Garrett's still standing. That's, a, that's, that's the moral well, there. Well, you know, you got to take care of yourself. Sure. You know? I mean, you know, you got to use a little common sense when, you know, when people are doing things. And like Gil, I mean, and he would do that. He, he occasionally he he would he would get a hold of that fungo and he would just wear you out. And and it, I, you know, I'd take a few ground. I'd walk away from. Him. I I just wouldn't take him. Yeah. I I, oh, I just man. walk away from him. I, he he may get mad. And I don't care. I. You know, hey, send me back to the mine. Discretion uh, is the better part of valor, Wayne. That's what they say, right? Yeah. Oh man. Let's let's talk about the the famous play in 1973. Dave Augustine is at the plate. Richie Zisk for the Buckos is on first base. Augustine hits one. It looks like it's gone. It's off the top of the wall. Unbelievably, it takes a, a miracle met bounce. Comes back to Cleon. And he hits you, the cutoff man, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. turn, you turn around and fire a strike to Ron Hodges, and Zisk is dead. Yep. 
What a yeah. play. That, you know, and you know what was funny about that is, is in 73, in 73 we went up there for our reunion. Uh, I don't, it was our 25th reunion, I think. I don't, but anyhow. And everybody kept coming up to me, all these reporters, you know, people, and they, they were saying, hey, do you remember that play? Do you remember that play? Yeah, right. And it's like, and it's like, I didn't remember that play. I mean, too many things happen in a career. I can't single out one thing. I, you know, <laughs> and I really couldn't. I, I didn't remember it. I did not remember it. I couldn't recall it. But, you know, they had the TVs on, and they were doing, they were doing highlights of the 73 season. And that play, you know, I saw it three or four times. Yeah, it was pivotal. On TV, you know, on, you know, when they were, you know, on the monitors that they had, you know, in the room that we were in. And, and so they came up and they said, Hey, you remember that play? And I said, Yeah, I remember that play. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I just saw it two minutes ago. Yeah. I just saw it. Yeah, yeah. I just saw it on TV. I, but, oh, man. Yeah, that, that was yeah, one for I, the books. And then 1973 in the NLCS, Wayne, where were you when Pete and Buddy broke out into their little dance? Well, I was at third. I was at third, and that was the, it was the, that double play ended the inning. Yeah. And it was a Taylor, it was a Taylor made double play. I mean, the ball was hit to Felix, and Felix flipped it over to Buddy, and, and I mean, it was just a Taylor made double play, and, and, Rose really slid in, you know, and it, normally he, he, I've, you know, very seldom you see him slide feet first. And, well, he slid feet first because he is probably 20 feet, 15, 20 feet from second base. You know, it was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't even close. You, and, I mean, as far as taking him out and, and disrupting the double play. And, and Buddy threw the ball, he threw the ball to first base. And the guy was out. Pete does a, he does a pop-up slide and he pops up and he elbows Buddy right over the eye. I mean, and just gashed his eye and knocked him flat on his back. And, and, and at third base, I mean, it was the third out. So I was drifting that way because I saw him hit Buddy and Buddy hit the ground. And, and so I just, Instead of going to the dugout, I drifted over to to second to see if he was okay. And about that time, Buddy jumps up. And he goes after Rose, and Rose knocks him back down on the ground again. And <laughs> and when Buddy got up and ran at Rose, though, I started running. I started running towards him, and and so I just I just I tackled Rose. He was he was on Buddy, and I just tackled him. And Got him off of him, and but what, that was what an, another basically it. That was play. basically it, except yeah. for, in about two seconds, both teams on top of me, and I mean, you know, I'm on the bottom of it. I got Rose, I, I got him, I got my arms around him. He can't move, and and he kind of reared off Buddy, and 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 reared back on me, and he landed right on my. I mean, you know, I had him, and he's on my chest. Yeah. And, and then, of course, everybody's on top of you by then. So so you, you missed, Wayne, you missed the alleged Pedro Bourbon 
taking a bite out of Buzz Capper's cap then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, things things happen. I mean, you know, I <laughs> yeah. you know, I you know, I didn't I didn't read newspapers that often. <laughs> I didn't I didn't, you know, I didn't read articles in papers. I I really didn't. I mean, you know, I you know, I, it was something that you know, one of the reporters, you know, they, you know, they sit at my locker one night for a couple hours and, you know, he said, hey, I want to do a special on you. And so, and I read this special in the paper the next day and it's like, God, I didn't say any of this. Well, I actually did say it, but not the questions you asked me. <laughs> I mean, they took my answers and put them with different questions. And, and I'm reading this article and I say, God, this is... This is not right. This is not true. You know, yeah. None of it. And and so after that, I just I, I just never read I never read articles in the paper. I I just never trusted them. I mean, you know, people people would write them. I and I just didn't believe it. All the only thing I ever read, I'd read the highlights above the box scores of every game. Right. And that was the only thing I read in the paper in the sports section. Well, it's probably, the only thing I ever read. I, I'd, I'd read the highlights of each game. Probably and, better and off, Wayne. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, and, and basically, and basically, that's all I did. I, you know, and so now, now, what, what I want to get your opinion on quickly before we have to go is uh, the World Series. Yogi Berra has a big choice to make. He could send Seaver to the mound in Game Six on three days rest to try to close out Oakland, or he could start the well-rested George Stone in Game Six and uh, yeah. hold Seaver for a possible Game Seven. Now Yogi opts to go with Seaver. Now I haven't spoken to anybody on the on the ball club who thinks that Yogi made the right decision. Well, you know, he's the manager. Right. He's the manager and, and it's like in, 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 hey, we all know Seaver. We've all seen him pitch before on three days rest. I mean, he's, he's done it before. It, it wasn't the first time, but. Right. But, and I mean, this is, you know, it's the end of the season. I mean, you know, guys are tired, arms are tired, and, and so I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, I I guess Yogi just wanted to get it over with. He wanted to put his best out there and just get it over with and close them out. Yeah, close them out. You know, don't give them a chance. Don't let them. You know, get momentum and come back that last game. You know, I mean, he wanted to close them out, and and it backfired. And the other thing too is, you know, I was the last out. I made the last out, and everybody says that. Willie Mays should have pinch hit for me, and right, yeah, that's true. And, and, and they and they say that too, you know. Well, it's all hindsight. It know? is, hey. and it, that's what makes the game great. Yeah. Wayne is arguing stuff like that, and why would you put up for a forty-two-year-old Willie Mays to bat for Wayne Garrett in in that spot? Uh, another another great uh, bone of contention right there. That, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I didn't have. I I hit two home runs. I hit two home runs in the in the series. Right. But I think those. Are, I, I don't know. They, I think those were the only hits that I had. Really. I mean, you know. And 
I was striking out a lot and all that. It was, but you know, that's. It was uh, what it was. That, it, that's it. It's, and I mean, you know, you you have to go with gut feelings, and you know, and Yogi went with his gut feeling. I mean, you know, hey, just right. didn't didn't work out. But he thought what he did was the the best thing. And right. Pitching Seaver, he thought that that was the best thing. I'm sure that he talked it over with Rube Walker, his pitching coach, mm-hmm. and and they agreed on it. And they talked to Seaver, and Seaver felt good, and they went for it. Right. Well, you know, Seaver's not going to say no. That's for sure. So, yeah, you know, but. Uh, so. Well, I tell you, Wayne, it's been a real pleasure of having you with us on the show. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend some of it with us here up back in New York. Uh, I wish you all the best. Best of luck with your golf game. I know you love love it out on the links down there. And, oh, yeah. Uh, how, how's the weather? It's hot as heck down there? It's uh, it's pretty warm right now, but, hey, I grew up in this weather. It's, yeah, you're uh, used to it. Yeah, that's true. I'm used to it. It, it, does, it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, you know, I'm getting older, and, it, you know, you just – it seems like you, you know, you tire out, you know. Sometimes I tire out, but, but you know, majority of the time I, I can endure it. It doesn't really bother me that much. Good man. All right. Well, I thank you again, Wayne. I wish you all the best. Regards to your lovely wife. Thank you very much, Bill. You take care. That's Wayne Garrett, ladies and gentlemen. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we welcome in the bad dude, John Stearns. Stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB from beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island. Second half of the baseball season starts this week. Pete Alonzo with the, another win in the home run derby. Just amazing. Now we need him to translate some of those into game time home runs, Pete. Come on now. A wicked series in, in Pittsburgh th- this weekend. Mets lose two or three. Uh, even uh, af- after the horrible gut-wrenching loss of Saturday night, they start out by giving out six runs in the first inning. And uh, you're ready for it all over again. Uh, they, these guys have been killing me for my lifetime. But uh, they end up beating the Pirates. 
and uh, let's move on to the next series and uh, keep a hold on first base. We're also going to keep the sports memories rolling along here on GBB. Our next guest, he was a two-sport two star in college. He entered professional baseball after being selected in both the Major League Baseball and NFL drafts. Four-time All-Star. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show tonight the bad dude himself, John Stearns. John, good evening. Good to have. Good to be on the show, man. Great to have you with us, John. I'll tell you now. Okay. Growing up, who were your sports heroes and teams when you were a kid? Oh my gosh, Bill. Listen, uh, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, I watched the Broncos in the NFL and the University of Colorado in football. Okay. And, uh, you know, I also was collecting cards with my brothers and friends, baseball cards, and we didn't have a major league team in Denver, Colorado, but I watched the leagues and the standings all the time, read the paper, and, you know, the Yankees were my team. I mean, they were winning every year back then, in the right. late 50s, yeah. early 60s, remember? Sure. The New York Yankees with Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, when they hit the 60 home run deal and, uh, so I was on top of all of that and looking forward to one day wanting to be either a Major League Baseball player or an NFL football player. And you almost made the NFL, that's for sure. Uh, you were drafted as a defensive back by the Buffalo Bills in the 17th round of the 73 NFL draft. And the Phillies made you the yeah. second overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft behind the guy, the famous David Clyde, who who came in and hurt his arm. He was gone in a second. Yeah, uh, that that was a that was a shock when I went number two in the first round in 1973. Uh, of course, you know that was probably a mistake because Robin Yount was a third pick and Dave Winfield went number four. Freddie Lynn went number five in that draft. So that. That was a pretty good uh, amateur draft there in Pretty good bunch, yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we had a few guys go on to the All-Star game and everything. But uh, it was uh, it was a thrill, when, and I was shocked when I got a call from uh, the Phillies that day, the day of the draft. Of course, I was waiting for the draft to happen. I knew I was going to go, you know, fairly high. I was hoping second round or something like that. And then to go second pick in the first round was a shock and really a, an honor, you know. Well, not only, John, are you picked ahead of Robin Yount and Dave Winfield in the Major League Baseball draft, you're also drafted ahead of Winfield in the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I could have played in the NFL, no doubt. I was a free safety. I was the deep guy in the defensive backfield. Yeah. I ran a four six forty, which was... You know, it was it was okay. It wasn't I wasn't a speedster, but uh, four six is fast. Uh, and uh, you know, as a free safety, all all I had to do, Bill, was stay deep, not get beat deep, and then just react to the play, react to the ball. And uh, I ended up get, being able to you know make some hard tackles and things like that. And I always felt like in football, the team that hits the other one hardest is probably going to win. So that was my. My theory was to just bust the crap out of everybody that I could. Good you know theory, John. Yeah, good theory. That, that's that's <laughs> the way to be. Now, now you're with the Phillies. You you play one game, I think it was, with the Phillies, but they got a guy behind the plate, Bob Boone, 
who's who's going to set the record for most games caught in Major League Baseball. So obviously you can't stay there. So they they trade you and Del Unser to the Mets, and the Mets trade away Tug McGraw. Yeah, it was it was a shock to me because the Phillies drafted me with the number two pick, but right. Within a year, I had proven to them that I, you know, they knew they had to do something because I was going to, I was a number one big league catcher. Mm-hmm. So I proved that. And so, you know, I went home and, uh, you know, they had to, I mean, their manager, Danny Ozark, he loved Bob Boone. And Bob was a really intelligent guy. He called a great game. Uh, I don't think he had the offensive skills that I had defensively, uh, but, and defense, but, uh, yeah, he was really smart, a great, great catcher, great major league catcher. So the Phillies had to make a decision, and they decided to, you know, trade me. So uh, mm-hmm. a year after I was drafted number uh, two in the country, uh, and I had a great year for them working my way all the way to the big leagues, I, I came home, and uh, the trade happened for Tug McGraw to the New York Mets. Yeah, and the, the rest, they say, is history. Uh, <laughs> now, now you're with the Mets, John. By the way, Brett Boone, I, I had mentioned to you, Brett Boone wanted me to send you his regards. You guys, uh, when you were a coach with the Mariners, Brett was on that ball club, and he had some, some pretty funny John Stern stories to tell. <laughs> I just want to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he mentioned that you're quite an illustrious character, John. So. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to be a positive attitude guy, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I can tell jokes. Sometimes, but uh, you know, Brett Boone. You know, in baseball, you got to keep an upbeat, positive, you know, uh, demeanor about yourself if you're going to be a great player. That's what how I think. You don't get down and be. I mean, some guys can be quiet and everything, you know. But I tried to get up and and be a leader. And uh, you know, Brett Boone and I and Bob Boone and his other son. Uh, I'm sorry, what's his name? Aaron. Aaron Boone, Aaron, right. I'm sorry, Aaron, about that. <laughs> he he manages that other really. club in town, John. I know. Yeah. I know he's managing the freaking Yankees. Aaron, yeah. I'm sorry about that. I <laughs> uh, hope you guys win this year. But oh. uh, the Boone family, what what an awesome family. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like Bob was a catcher in the big leagues. And to have two sons that have put their print on the game like, like those two guys, it, it's pretty amazing. Yep. Uh, a, gr- a great, uh, a great feather in the cap. That's for sure. Now, now you're yes. with the Mets, John. You're back up to Jerry Grody. Now, I know Jerry, and he's what we call a red ass, <laughs> right? I mean, th- did you learn anything from Jerry? Did he take you under his wing, or did he more or less, you know, keep you at arm's length? I think he wanted to keep. I think he knew when I showed up over there that I, at some point, I was going to take. Or be a threat to take his job, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and he was about thirty when I was twenty-three. When I got over there, I don't know how old he was, but he'd been their, their number one catcher for a while. And uh, I, I think it was just, a, you know, I think he knew I was going to take his job at some point, but he still was comfortable, comfortably the number one guy yeah. when I got there. And uh, you know, I had to struggle for a few years until I was ready. Uh, mainly because the the big club took me up to the big team, but sat me on the bench, which was something I did not need to do. So mm. in '74, in '73, I sat on the bench all year instead of playing at AAA. After coming over in the trade from Tug McGraw, 
I should have gone to AAA Tidewater that year and played, you know. Right. And, and then I, I could have gotten called up, and maybe, you know, the transition could have been made then. But instead, I sat on the bench for the whole 75 season, a 23-year-old guy yeah. sitting in the bullpen catching guys warming up. You know what I'm saying? Right. And a it waste. took me a, a while to recover from that. And it was actually uh, a 75 before I actually got up and got a chance to play with the Mets. We're speaking with John Stearns tonight on the program. A very important question, John. You come up wearing number 16. You and Lee Mazzilli swapped numbers. What prompted that? Well, I have, I've always been, I've been wearing number, I had been number, wearing number 12 since, uh, okay. Little League ball. Ah, and Little right. League football. And I wore, wore 12 as a defensive safety at the University of Colorado. And I wore 12 catching for them. And 12 in high school, all sports. So, mm-hmm. I mean, 12 was my number. I wanted to be number 12. And when I got to the Mets, of course, they gave me number 16. I played with that for a year or two. And then I asked them if I could move, could have number 12. You know, and so they gave me number 12. Nice. Worked out good for you. And you stuck with that the rest of the yeah. way. Now, there was a day, John, I want to talk to you about this important uh, incident that took place. You became irritated at the Atlanta Braves mascot, Chief Nakahoma. Now, people may not remember Chief Nakahoma. Now, what, what used to happen there is Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, which was called the launching yeah. pad, had yeah. a teepee out in the outfield. And when one Brave yeah. would hit a home run, Chief Nakahoma... Uh, they'd never be able to get away with this today. It was so racist. The guy would yeah. come out of the teepee, do a little war dance, and go back in. What he was doing in the teepee, God knows, but he irritated you in some way, didn't he, John? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I've been watching that for a while, so, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, Chief Nagahoma wasn't my favorite guy, so <laughs> I, I forget what happened that I had a confront, confrontation with him, right? Didn't I? I can't remember exactly now exactly what happened that day, but uh, I think something happened as a result of a home run or something, and Chief Nakahoma and I, I don't know, I might have gone up and, what, I think, did, was he running around the bases or something? I'm yeah, I sure. think he used to do that as well, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and the defensive anyway, Chief back. Chief Nakahoma and I, uh, we're... I, you know, I, I apologize and everything to him, but I, I think I got in the way of what he was trying to do. I got in the way physically of him either running around the bases or, yeah, I can't remember exactly. He used to do a war dance out, you know, on his teepee, which was out in the left field uh, stand. Right. Uh, you know, and then he would come in between innings, I think, and do, do something running around the bases or something. And, so I confronted him on something. I can't remember. There you go. So that, that, that was a great confrontation, folks. And the fans appreciated the defensive back like hard play from John Stearns. There was a time I remember, uh, with Dave Parker. Remember that play? You tagged out Dave yeah, Parker to the, end the game. Yeah. And people actually was, thanked uh, you for that. Parker was on third. Yeah. We were in Pittsburgh. We were in Pittsburgh. We had a one run lead. Parker was on third base, and there was a uh, medium type of fly ball to right field, and we had AstroTurf, and we had a guy in right field who had our best arm, Joel Youngblood. Was right. Out there. So when the ball was hit, uh, 
There was one out in the bottom of the ninth in Pittsburgh. Mets, we were up like 6-5 or something. Parker on third. He tags up. I knew he was coming in. And Youngblood, I knew, would make a great throw. He, he threw a one-hopper to me at, at home plate. It was about two feet to the right to the first base side of of home. So when I caught it, I knew that I didn't have any time. So I immediately dove on on both knees on top of home plate. And, and then I, I finally looked up the third base line, and Parker was like, he was like maybe three feet away from me running full speed. Steaming, yeah. And he just tried to obliterate me. And I had enough time to, I was on both knees straddling home, looking up the third base line, and I had enough time to put the ball was in my right hand inside of my glove, the left hand had the glove on, and I kind of pushed that up in front of me and had a chance to turn my head away from him. And he hit his cheek right on the back of my my skull and knocked me about 15 feet Whoa. behind home plate. Uh, he was out. I held on to the ball. He was out, so we won the game. It was the final out of the game. And I was about I was on my back 15 feet behind the home plate an extension of the third base line down there. Yeah. And so I looked up at the umpire. I showed him that I hold it up, held on to the ball. And then he, he went, you're out. And the, I knew the game was over and we won the game. And I jumped up and slammed the ball down on the ground and walked off right there. And Parker <laughs> was lying on the plate moaning and holding his cheek going, oh. Yeah, he I broke guess. his cheekbone. Yeah. He, he broke his jaw, yeah. He broke his jaw. And, and it, it really wasn't anything that I did. He, he's the one that ran over yeah. me. But he did come up with a broken jaw and went on the DL. And then I, I read somewhere, John, that the Phillies, actually, uh, they came came into to Shea Stadium next. They thanked you for standing up to Parker. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I have I had a few guys say, "Hey, you, you, you had a collision with Parker, and and he came up with a broken jaw. Holy cow! What it was going on there? You know, they, yeah, they talked to me a little bit about it. Nice. Okay. It was fun. It was fun. Now, one thing I think you prided yourself on was was your base running and your stolen bases. Now, you broke a National League record record for catchers, which has been held uh, since 1902. That you broke a guy by the name of Johnny Kling stole. Uh, 25 yeah. bases. Now, you, you, uh, tied, I think you went ahead of that record. Jason Kendall has since set a new record, but, yeah. uh, yeah. you, you were great on the base pass as well. I, running the bases was one of my fortes. Yeah. Okay. I, I was a good, really good base runner. I wasn't the fastest guy around, but I ran good for a catcher. I was an above average runner. I played defensive back at Colorado. Right. Free safety. I ran a four six forty in college football, and uh, you know a six 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 seven sixty. That's how they time you in baseball when they when they're clocking you. So uh, I did have above average speed, and I was always from little league on up. I, I just base running was just a natural thing for me, and I stole bases all the way through, all the way up through amateur baseball, all the way up through college ball, and. I mean, uh, I would steal like 25 bags in a 40 game season in college, you know, something like that. So yeah. I mean, I didn't want to, I wasn't going to change that with the Mets. And once, once the management, like I had Yogi Berra when I first came up and then Joe Torre came in 
Mm-hmm. And they finally, I, I finally convinced them that to give me the green light where I could pick my pitch and, you know, steal. And I, I, I showed them that I would not get thrown out at the wrong time. You know, you don't want to get thrown out if you're the tying run in the bottom of the ninth, so you don't want to try a steal there. No way, yeah. But there, there's times when you can t- try to run, and I let them, so they let me uh, go on my own, and that's when I broke out and had the 25 stolen base year. And I think I had a couple more years where I stole 17 or 18 or 15 bases, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and oh, so that, that was all for easy you. for me, the base running. Yeah, it, it came uh, came naturally. It sure did. We got John Stearns with us tonight on the program. Now, another uh, altercation, let's put it, uh, bench-clearing brawl uh, in 1979 with the Montreal Expos. It involves future Met catcher, Hall of Famer Gary Carter. You took exception to Gary coming in a little high. Yeah, Gary tried to run me over at yeah. the home plate. Uh, I had the ball in time, and uh, yeah, he tried to run me over. So I don't know what happened. I might have gotten up and shoved him or thrown a, you know, a, a little bit of a punch in there. And so, and then what happened was both benches cleared, and we had a, almost had a brawl at home plate. So it really wasn't that big of a deal, I didn't think. I don't think I landed a punch on him, and he didn't land one on me, but we confronted each other and were grabbing each other, and both benches cleared and came running out, and and so, and so that's what happened in that incident. And uh, just I, case, I never want, would want to, I would never want to get into a fight with another player. Uh, that's just yeah. not part of uh, the game. But you know, he he felt that I was, you know, he tried to run me over, and I I, I took offense to it and jumped up and got in his face and shoved him, and I. I think that's basically about what happened. Just two great competitors playing baseball. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what it came out absolutely, to be. Absolutely, absolutely. You're going to run into that once in a while if you're playing, you know. And, and so that's all that happened right there. Do you remember the time, John? Uh, I think it was in 1980. Two drunk guys ran onto the field, and the cops, the Shea yeah. Stadium cops, couldn't catch them. So you stepped in. Well, the cops and the the cops <laughs> and the ushers were sitting around. Here's my pitcher out there. I think it was Craig Swan. I'm not sure. Uh, my pitcher is sitting out there having to wait in between pitches while these clowns were running around in the outfield grass, right? Short outfield. Right. And so, and the cops aren't, there's nobody really getting out there after him. You know, and so I said, forget this. I, said, I just threw my mask off and sprinted out there to the outfield and grabbed this guy. And then they came over and got him and took him off the field. So yeah. that's all that was. I just I was pissed off because I wanted my my pitcher. I think it was Craig Swan. I'm not sure. Uh, I wanted him to uh, not have to stand on the mound for five minutes before uh, throwing the ball. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Just just uh, looking out for Swanee. That's all. I, I can understand they, that. They just weren't getting. Uh, if a guy runs on the field, you get out and get him off the field right away. And they just weren't doing it. They weren't. Uh, this guy was like running around, and he was getting away from them somehow. Yeah, well, these <laughs> so, guys are probably uh, older gentlemen, the security guards, yeah. and the, yeah, they're probably having yeah. a tough time. So it was wise yeah, to step in. So I said, I'm not going to have a tough time with this. Boom! Yeah, and I right went out and tackled. I think I tackled him. I don't know. Nice I job. Yeah, <laughs> How did you feel, John, about the Mets moving you to third base for a while? 
You know, I could have done that. I wish I wish that would have worked because I, I grew up as an infielder. Okay, I played a lot of third base in little league all the way up through thirteen or fourteen years old, fifteen years old, and then I, actually what I did play was shortstop. You always put your best player in little league in two two positions. Your best player on a little league team either plays short or pitcher. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's where the best player on your little league team always plays. So. I was a shortstop and pitcher my whole life until what happened was when I was a senior in high school, right before the season started, our catcher, who was the starter the year before, he was a guy in the same grade as me, he got caught drinking a beer. Well, you couldn't do that back then. No. You couldn't. If you got caught drinking a beer, you got kicked off the team. So right before the season starts my senior year in high school, our catcher gets kicked off the team. I was playing shortstop and pitcher, what I'd played all the way through Little League. I went to several Pony League and Colt League World Series, everything. I did all of that as a pitcher and catcher. And then uh, uh, so uh, the, the catcher got kicked off the team. The coach looked around, and he didn't have another catcher to go to, so he says, Stearns, get back there. So the first time I put the gear on was my senior year in high school baseball. Can you imagine that? Wow, yeah. I never even played catcher. But it all came easy for me because for somehow my parents just gave me a lot of athletic ability and the desire to, you know, to be an athlete. And so it worked out really, really good. How did your elbow injury start, John? How, how did the uh, difficulty well, with the you elbows? You know, I threw a ball, I threw a ball down to second base between innings and I could feel a ligament unravel in my elbow. Ah, it just boy. went it went twickle 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 like that. And so damn I could not overcome that. That really bothered me because I I should have played. I only had twenty six, twenty seven hundred at bats in the majors. I should have had six thousand at bats. Yeah. I would have played another eight years at least and if that hadn't happened to my elbow. And so I couldn't, it's the medial collateral ligaments, the, it's the ligament on the inside of your, your right, your right elbow, and it unraveled on me, and every time I tried to throw the ball, it was severe pain. And, you know, and then later on, I became a minor league and big league coach and manager, and I threw batting practice all the time. So after, after a couple of years, when it healed, it healed up and my arm was fine. But yeah. to that particular point in time i could not snap the ball down to second base without a lot of pain no yeah that, and so that i had unfortunately to i had to, ended it yeah it really it ran me out it ran me out of the game That's, as a player yeah ter- terrible john john stearns with us again tonight on the program now as you mentioned john you're a coach a scout and a manager after your playing days which role do you feel you fulfilled the best and uh, which was your favorite well, you know, I wanted to manage in the big leagues, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, a lot of guys want to do that. So I went down. I wasn't going to be one of those guys that they were just going to give a job to out of, out of the blue. Yeah. I mean, Joe Torrey was a great manager. He got named manager with no coaching experience his first year, and, mm-hmm. and uh, several guys have, have had that happen. So, But me, I was down in the minor leagues. I, I managed a rookie ball, double-A three or four years, triple-A a couple of years. I mean... I managed in winter ball 
down in Latin America. I managed uh, in the Arizona Fall League, uh, and I won several championships. And so, but I never was offered uh, a chance to be a big league manager. So, yeah, I, I wasn't too upset about that, though. I mean, I, I, I could never uh, complain about the career that I had in baseball. Everything was fun. So I did spend 10 years or more in the minor leagues managing at all levels. I won a championship in Princeton, uh, West Virginia, uh, in a rookie, in the Appalachian League, which is rookie league. And to this day, they've got my picture on City Hall down there or whatever. I mean, they've had me back several times since then, and it's just been a great – and then I managed in A-ball, I managed in Double-A, I managed in Triple-A, I managed in Latin America over the winter. So, But I never got that call as a big league manager, even though I coached in the big leagues for right. five or six years. Well, so, baseball is complain. the better for it. Baseball is the better for yeah. it, John, for having you in the Absolutely. game. I'd like to thank you for joining us tonight, John. It's been a real pleasure uh, for you to spend some time with us up here in New York. Uh, we truly appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for calling. And uh, anytime I'm available, if you need anything, everybody in New York, thank you for everything. Uh, you've really made my life a great experience. And uh, if I can ever do anything to pay everybody back, I'm available, okay? There you go. That's the bad dude, John Stearns, folks. Well, that'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Wayne Garrett and John Stearns. My engineer, Brian Graves, and, of course, you guys for joining us here. See you next on August 1st. We'll welcome in former Mets pitcher Ed Lynch. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.